Hello, welcome back to another episode of Discourses. With me tonight is Ryan Gradusky, author of the Nationalist Populist Substack at natpop.substack.com. And he also runs the 1776 Project PAC, which is doing some important work concerning schools. Ryan, how are you tonight? Good. Thanks for having me, Pedro. Thank you. Thanks for joining me, man. Um, you uh, People don't know the lore, but uh, I actually am very thankful to you as a friend because you're one of the people who, when I was just uh, a lone poster on Twitter <laughs> writing articles for American Greatness, you're one of the people that noticed my stuff and then kind of helped share it with a broader network. So I don't think many people know that. Um, yeah, I, I yeah. mean, I've always been a fan. I mean, since I, since I think Ann Coulter was the one who told me about you, and oh, I've funny. been a fan since uh, since day one. So thank you, Ann's great. I that's why I tweeted yesterday that everyone who hates Ann owes her an apology because <laughs> they do. She's right. She was. She's been right for a lot longer than most people have, and. You know, when you look at people who are like consequential in politics, especially as writers, there are very, very few. There are very few, you know, in the last century alone, but there are very few right now. And she is one. I mean, her book, Obvious America, did change American history. I don't think Trump would have been, you know, the same candidate he was. I don't think he would have been the candidate who screamed build the wall, which became the rallying cry that got him elected president. And I think that that's super important. And, you know, and... You know that there are when you look at the long trajectory of people in the last hundred years who are who are writers, people who have long term cable news contracts. I mean, they're they don't say anything interesting, and I feel it's almost by design. So, um, but yeah, but you say stuff interesting all the time, so I always enjoy your stuff. Thanks, man. Yeah, I, I think um, I think that's that's part of what we're going to talk about tonight is is the discourse actually and kind of the meta of the discourse and right now it's um let's just say it's very dumbed down so <laughs> so interesting voices are are very much welcome right now but you recently published a piece on your Substack uh, about about this discussion uh, this this family feud that's happening right now and the title is. The online feud, uh, the online Trump DeSantis feud explained why the social media war is a waste of time. And the headline and the subhead pretty much tell you everything you need to know, both about the article and what we think about this topic, because I actually agree with Ryan a lot on this. I, although I recently kind of started wading into the waters of this waste of time feud. And I, the reason I was so reluctant to participate is precisely because I think it's a waste of time and I think it's stupid and extremely counterproductive. Um, but I just, I just felt like the attacks from the Trump side, from uh, let's call them the MAGA influencers, conservatism Inc. or, or MAGA Inc. rather, whatever, um, they're they're just so unhinged that. It seems like if you want to help Trump, even if you really, really want him to win, this is like the worst possible way to attack DeSantis. And so you start your article by saying uh, that you, you, you say that uh, attacking DeSantis for being bad on COVID is like today attacking Ronald Reagan for being like soft on communism or something like that. Yeah, it's like telling a boomer back, telling Republican primary voters that 
DeSantis is bad on COVID. It's like telling boomers Reagan was soft on the Soviet Union. It's like there are certain narratives, even though DeSantis wasn't maybe who the legend now or the narrative is on COVID. Maybe he if he wasn't all those things, it doesn't really matter. That's the perceived reality and perception is reality to most people. Um, the, the, Donald Trump never built a wall. Many Republicans think that he did. So there is, it's a very hard narrative to crack because that perception is their reality. Um, so yeah, DeSantis did shut down Florida for a couple of weeks in the middle of 2020. And then he was started reopening it very, very quickly. And, you know, was one of the early states to um, kind of reverse on COVID lockdowns and then became the most vocal advocate of a large state to oppose lockdowns, even more so than vocally oppose it more than almost any other governor and then became the face of the opposition because Biden made him the enemy. So um, that's just the narrative. And that's what's ingrained in people's two years when large states like New York and New Jersey and New and, and California were locked down and even red, some red states were locked down. Where did people go to vacation to get some freedom? They went to Florida and a lot of them moved to Florida. So um, it just is, it's just the way that people have perceived COVID with, with, with DeSantis. And I'm going to take a wild guess. I don't have inside information, but I believe this to be true. My guess is that um, Team Trump uh, Team Trump got some polling information back, found that COVID handling was probably one of DeSantis' best issues. They made the talking points, and then they filtered it out through their influencer network, through people who work for them, which a lot of people who are quote-unquote influencers online do work for candidates, um, or they're paid in some capacity. And um, they told them this thing. We're going to sit there and say that his record on COVID is not true. Um and then the paid ones filtered out to the unpaid ones. And that's how you end up with the situation you have now. Um, and it is such a waste of time because no one believes it. And you look immensely and the way that Trump handles himself by sitting there and saying, you know, I got more votes than DeSantis did, which technically is one true. But you were running in a presidential election. He was running in a governor's election. The last people voted. So he got a higher percentage than you. Like that pettiness then feeds into it. So he looks petty. He looks bad. DeSantis looks better for not commenting on it. And people hear the narrative, those who do hear it, because Twitter is a very small universe of people. Some people do hear it, and then they immediately say, well, this sounds crazy, and then they tune you out. So it's, I think that it's an, I think that one, it's not actually breaking into the general population. John Q. Public, people like my mom and dad, who are not super, who are not online basically at all. Um, they're online, like they go online, but they are not on Twitter online. And they don't know, they've never heard of this argument that he was bad on it. And the perception that he was the only one good on it is the perceived one. So weeks and weeks and weeks have gone by now where Trump affiliates have been attacking DeSantis for COVID and it's not making an impact whatsoever and no one cares. And it is a giant, giant, giant waste of time. But I'm trying to explain why it's happening because people, some people are seeing saying, well, this doesn't make any sense. It makes sense when you look at the 2024 presidential context. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, I think that... There's this line, right? The internet is not real life. And it's like, that. well, that's partly true. The things that happen in spaces like Twitter do end up 
or can end up actually influencing you know what happens in reality but on the other hand there is a disconnect between <laughs> the internet and reality and this this whole feud does really seem to be an extremely online one you know like the average the average conservative walking on the street you stop them you know the average like fox news viewer or whatever and you stop them and tell them DeSantis was terrible on covid like they're they're going to cock their head at you like you're an idiot you know it's like because you're right like the, there was this whole perception built up around him as as the one guy who stood alone not only against you know fauci and the libs but also against the the trump administration when they were on the wrong side of the issue and, and look i think this is an important point that others have made which is that early on you know there wasn't a whole lot of information about covid and and so everyone was trying to kind of figure things out and this is something that people point to with DeSantis about like you know he initially like locked down to in some small capacity um but then reverse course you know and i i think there's for a lot of people the ability to to change your mind and admit that you change your mind as as a situation developed that that's a that's an endearing attribute right and i think the problem that the, the trump people have is that they're trying to attack desantis on something that he's really strong on and where his team will admit you know that we yeah we cha- we we changed as things happen and that we stood our ground on principle um what the Trump people are trying to do right now, and this is why it's so stupid, is to claim that like Trump did Trump did everything right and was somehow better on this issue than DeSantis. And there's this article in the Washington Post that provides a really good summary, actually. I, I read it um maybe as soon as it came out, I think, and you talk about it in your your uh in your piece, and it's by Aaron Blake. And I know you're not supposed to um you're not supposed to talk about you know, stuff that you read in the Washington Post, but <laughs> guys like Blake actually do really good journalism. And we, we should keep in mind that although Trump talks about fake news and stuff, he, he loves Maggie Haberman at the New York Times, and he keeps Olivia Nuzzi from the New York Magazine around. Like she was at Mar-a-Lago during the uh, announcement speech, you know, and people were like, why is she here? So so Trump reads the fake news and apparently cares about what the fake news thinks. So I think that's that's important to bear in mind here. But that Post article, which is really balanced, by the way, it's actually an example of really good journalism. It shows that not only was you know, DeSantis um, taking, I guess, what you could call the more conservative position on, on COVID, but that Trump was praising him for it. That yeah, at well, the I mean, time, think of it like this, though. I mean... I agree with 100% what you said. At the time, people did not know a lot about COVID, and we were making our best estimates of how to be precautious as this disease, which you weren't getting any real information from China. People in Iran were dropping dead like flies. People in Italy were dropping dead like flies. And in New York, where we were the first, I live in New York, we were the first place that hit with it. We literally did have freezers, truck freezers full of dead bodies. So that wasn't a myth. That wasn't a lie. Now, part of the reason that that happened was because in the last 20 years in New York, many of our better hospitals have closed and we have trauma centers for like knife wounds or car accidents that substitute as hospitals. People were going there and they weren't equipped for COVID and people were dropping dead. So you have all of this fear being driven and it was being used, by the way, against Trump. Um, by the media that COVID, he was somehow responsible right. for which he wasn't. So these, all these things are happening. Now we knew 
very early on, as is the case with most diseases, senior citizens are the most vulnerable. What state has an overwhelming population of senior citizens? Florida. Yeah. So you have to make the best estimate with the information you have at the time. And I don't fault I don't fault any governor, not Cuomo, not Newsom, not 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 DeSantis, not anybody, with at the time taking the precautious measure about something you do not know and all you hear are people are dropping dead. You have yeah. to protect your citizens. But reversing course when you have more information is the responsible thing to do. The pro- I was talking to Ben Shapiro about this. The problem is, is now with a lot of online media people, on a lot of online conservative people, is you say, you know, I am pro-life, and they say, well, I am pro-life even, you know, to the moment of conception. Well, I'm pro-life even before then. Well, like they will move the line to such a place right. where they're talking a few or a few people. It doesn't matter because that's the audience. So now it's not that DeSantis was the responsible one. That yes, that Trump praised, but now it's that well, he was not perfect the entire right. time. And Christy yeah. Nome was perfect. It was Christy Nome, right. you know, whose state legislature prevented her from yep. shooting? Yeah. Yep. So it's 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 very 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 um it's online. very redundant. And it's very <laughs> it's online. Very and no one and everyone in the last. I mean, I think most people last year know somebody who moved to Florida because they prefer it. I know. I know a lot of people moved to Florida because they just they couldn't handle. They couldn't handle these other states shutting them down. So to sit there and say that, oh, they either vacation there or they went there or their friends went there, they know a lot of people who moved to this state for the purpose of it being more open. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And again, it, there, there was probably a way to work with that to actually kind of maybe protect Trump from attacks explicitly on based on, on his, his handling of COVID. But again, they're doing it in the worst possible way because it forces you, you know, if you care about um, what actually happened, this this sounds uh, so corny, but if you actually care about the truth, then it compels you to, to do, you know, what guys like Aaron Blake did and, and like kind of like go back and, and actually look at the record or point out Trump's own failures on this stuff and, and not things that are actually, I think, uh, pretty egregious that I myself have pointed out, like, you know, when Peter Navarro, one of the only nationalists and who survived the trump white house because not many did um when navarro publicly attacked uh fauci the trump administration responded by issuing this public statement denouncing him for it basically saying that that navarro uh went rogue uh that his his comments do not reflect the opinion of the white house and then trump said that he, he actually has a good relationship with fauci i think Alyssa farrow was doing comms for that and they, they just openly rebuked Peter Navarro. And then a year later, the New York Post reported that there was this this whole plan to to investigate Fauci, to haul him in front of a commission, to in, 